Welcome back, everyone. After a long hiatus, um, for several good reasons, the Vince August podcast is back with episode number 33. Um, took a long break, guys. Had a good reason why. I've uh, been working on some projects um, for television and the truth of the matter is uh, it was consuming all of my time. And, you know, some people may say, well, what does it take to do a one-hour podcast? For me, it takes a lot because I like to do some research. I don't like to just come into a podcast uh, and just ramble for an hour. I actually like to look up stories, get some facts and information before I start spewing. Um, so having said that, um, there is some things happening in the Vince August Entertainment career uh i will be heading out to los angeles uh in august and and hopefully uh getting some things finalized um so again i i did um miss doing the podcast from a personal perspective i, I really enjoy talking about this stuff but again it was for very good reasons now with regards to the topics that i'm going to cover in this podcast i want to catch up on some of the things I did not get a chance to discuss since the last podcast, and I, I think we left off with the police crisis. Um, I want to cover the, the latest police story that I've seen, which was really, really disturbing for me. Um, I do want to get into this Confederate flag frenzy that gripped America, uh, briefly talk about Donald Trump, uh, get into the shootings in Tennessee of the four Marines, Navy officer, five servicemen, and then wrap it up with the ESPYs, which I watched for the first time um, this year. I, I, I have some thoughts about what I saw in the ESPYs. Um, but let's start off with a story that comes out of Texas. And a woman by the name of Sandra Bland. And if you have not seen this story, if it has somehow evaded you, um, this is something that you really need to watch. Uh, this is, to me, the textbook version of a police officer completely out of line, completely out of line in performing his function as a police officer. The problem with what policing has become, as I've talked about in the past, and how it ultimately led to her death. And I'm going to tell you right now, in, in my opinion, um, I, the blood is completely on the hands of the police officer involved. I think his name is Insinia uh, in this situation. Uh, I don't care if, if, if it's ruled that this woman, Bland, did in fact uh, commit suicide. I really don't care how the, the autopsy results come out. Uh, the bottom line is this blood is directly on the hands of this officer, uh, Brian Insignia. There's no question about it in my mind, period, end of story. Um, so let, let's talk about it briefly. There's a video out there that shows two versions of the same arrest and the one version of the arrest seems to show the video looped um, in terms of the, the actual visual part of the video where you keep seeing the same car driving by and the officer exiting the vehicle and suddenly disappearing. But the audio is there 
and the explanation from the the people that handed over the video from the Texas Police Department is it's a glitch, and that you know it resolves the glitch and the audio's there. I'm sorry, you're that that's a a far stretch for me. Okay, there's video, the video is streaming. What's the glitch? I don't want to hear glitch. I don't want to hear glitch. I, there's no explanation for that whatsoever. Um, period. End of story. That that's you know. But here's what the whole thing was. The stop was the officer pulled over Miss Bland um, for failing to signal. And apparently he was going to let her off with a warning. And when he goes back to the car to hand her the, the paperwork, she's smoking a cigarette. And this is somehow offensive to him. And he asks her to put the cigarette out, to which she says, no, I'm in my car. I'm allowed to smoke a cigarette. I'm allowed to do whatever I want. And from there, it escalates. And the only thing I can think is, again, this is a police officer who, when he asked this woman to put out a cigarette and she said no, it became a shot to his ego and his authority. And the badge, the gun, the uniform took over. Took over any sensibility because at that point, the detainment, the questioning, the answering, hand her back her credentials. Ma'am, you didn't signal. I'm letting you off with a warning. Um, here you go. Here's your stuff. Please just be wary of using your turn signal. Um, it avoids traffic problems and accidents and things like that. That's it. End of story. With regards to her smoking or not smoking, you know, and police officers, again, this is why I have this thing about they should be in a private sector. And I'm crazy enough, this guy was in the private sector for about five or six years. You know, when you get pulled over for, by a police officer and the lights are on and, you know, the police officer walks over, it's a stressful situation, police officers. It really is. It's stressful for us. It's stressful for you. You have to somehow try to kind of diffuse the situation. And I'm going to tell you, you know, police officers that are listening to this or pro cops are probably saying, you know what, Vince, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what that situation's like. No, I was a judge for six years. And I knew those people standing in front of me were under a stressful situation. And I used to say every court appearance, every time I sat on that bench, I am going to try to make this as pleasant of an unpleasant experience as possible. I promise you, I will do everything in my power to make this experience as pleasant as it could be under the circumstances. I don't know why you're here. It's not my fault. I don't know if what you did, you know, was wrong, right. Otherwise, let's try to figure it out, everybody. Um, and that's the way I handled that situation. And I'm sorry, you know, police officers in a, in a routine traffic stop. Again, you know, someone failing to use their blinker officer. I understand you have to do a job. I understand there's motor vehicle laws. I understand in New Jersey, you have Title 39. You are not saving the world of evils on a failure to signal. Handle that situation with the type of urgency or lack thereof that it deserves. The fact that this guy goes back to the car, sees the woman smoking, and then starts demanding she put out her cigarette, forcibly takes her out of the car, points a taser at her, handcuffs her, and treats her like a common criminal, 
Let me tell you, I, I drive to uh, a court in um, Morris County twice a month. And there's this one merge that's just really ridiculous. And at that merge, there's a police officer there checking vehicle registrations. Now, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. There's already traffic. There's already issues people are dealing with to go to work. You throw a police officer in that situation. The normal one-hour commute that this ride should be for me is an extra hour and a half. I'm sorry. It's an extra half hour. I have to leave my house a half hour earlier in anticipation of a police officer being there checking registrations. And you say to me, well, what's the big deal, Vince? Well, here's the big deal that the officer may not be aware of. My billing time starts from the point I leave my house to the point I get to court. You are now costing my client, which in this situation is the county of Bergen, an extra X amount of dollars per that half hour for me to get to court. So in this, in a sense, you're costing taxpayer dollars and, and who knows how many other people that are being charged taxpayer dollars for commuting purposes or are being charged dollars again for, for any purpose. Okay. Who are delayed by that? You know, I mean, you know, you, you can't just think, well, the, the tickets bring revenue to the court. I mean, cause is that really what police officers have become a cash register? And this is my problem with a lot of these routine traffic stops is what is the point of the traffic stop from what I can see on that road where this woman was pulled over, you're talking really light traffic. You know, you pull her over, you ask for her credentials, you find out she, you know, she's not wanted or anything like that. You didn't hit the lottery on, on a, you know, a a failure to signal, Give her her warning, give her her ticket, and then send her on her way. Don't start getting into you know her attitude at that point and whether or not she's smoking a cigarette or not. I'm sorry, th- this officer blew this thing. And I-, I try to really be as even-handed as I can in these situations. He blew it. She gets arrested, she gets put into jail, and she's held for resisting arrest. This is the charge resisting arrest she didn't commit an underlying crime for which she was to be arrested the resisting of arrest was due to the fact that this police officer did not like the way she was talking to him well too bad officer you stop somebody for failing to signal and then start snapping at them and now you're going to charge her with resisting arrest resisting arrest for what this cop is done This cop is done. She's held on $5,000 bail. Now, this is the thing that I don't understand. She's in jail for three days. Here in in New Jersey, when I was a judge, when someone was arrested and and they were held on bail, you had to arraign them within 48 hours. In two days, you had to arraign them. If I, as a judge, saw this and said, what was the underlying charge? And I would have heard failure to signal and she was uncooperative after the fact. Well, wait a minute. What? I would have been like, what? No. Released on own recognizance. Get out. We'll see you on the resisting arrest charge and we'll deal with it later. I don't understand how Texas law works. I don't understand if people have a right to that hearing within 48 hours. But where's the judge that steps in on this thing and releases that woman right away? As the story unfolds, um, on the third day, this woman who is moving to Texas because she just got a new job 
and is basically starting a you know a new chapter in her life is found hung in her jail cell. I don't care why. I don't care if she's suffering from depression or any other reason. I don't care. I don't care what the autopsy results show. Bottom line is that woman should have never been in a jail cell. The blood is completely on the hands of that officer, Brian Insinia, and that that state trooper department in Texas. You should be embarrassed. Stop with the video nonsense. And it was a glitch. This should be straight apology from point zero all the way to the end. Money is not going to give this family what they should have, which is their daughter, sister, friend, relative of any type back. And and it's a shame because we, we lost someone there for an absolutely useless reason. Um, I'm really surprised that there hasn't been more attention given to this story in light of some of the protests and things that go on. Speaking of protests, speaking of, of things that, that kind of get people in an uproar, uh, this segues perfect into my second story. There was a shooting in Tennessee um, last week, and today's date is, by the way, July 22nd, in which four servicemen, Marines, and one Navy officer were killed. And apparently, this was an act of terrorism. Regardless, it was targeted. It's a hate crime. At, at Under any circumstance, you call this a hate crime. When you target a specific group of people, I don't care if it's black, I don't care if it's Hispanic, I don't care if it's white, if it includes somebody wearing a uniform, that's a hate crime. So if it's not an act of terrorist, it's a hate crime. This was a hate crime. It should have been treated as such. And it happened in what is called a no-gun zone where military officers aren't allowed to carry weapons and this individual who has been identified um, as potentially an act of terrorism because of his religious background and being Muslim and you know and and listen I know a lot of people want to skirt that subject Um, to me plain and simple this in fact was a terrorist attack on on our country on our soil no question about it This person took out this vengeance for retribution in what is going on with the United States globally in fighting terrorism. Um, All of the indications are that this was taken out against American soldiers with intent to inflict casualties on American soldiers because of wars abroad. Now... I've made it clear with regards to the Iraq war. Um, in, in retrospect, we attacked a sovereign nation that had nothing to do with 9-11. Our focus should have been at all times the Taliban in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Um, Iraq was God knows what for the people involved that sent troops in there. Um, it, it, all indications are it had something to do with financial gain for Halliburton and the cabinet members that dragged Bush into that situation and didn't take much dragging um, and conned all of Congress to vote for that war uh, and, and it didn't take much conning was a disgrace. Okay. 
there's a way, and I've always outlined the way to make up for that, which is now that you're in Iraq, you don't leave Iraq. You don't necessarily occupy it militarily. However, you do maintain a presence militarily for the purpose of giving what should be now the building of infrastructure, schools, medical facilities, and, and, and rebuilding that country and giving it what it now deserves. Okay, you now need that military presence there to ensure those people that come in to build that infrastructure, to give these people education, to show them, hey, listen, you know what? We are going to help you. We are not going to abandon you. That's why you need the military presence there. That did not happen. The way to win over people that are are being swayed into ISIS and all of these terror groups is to do the thing that they need, which is give them this sense of society because that's all listen isis is a gang okay and it you don't have to be a genius to figure out gang mentality because we have it rampant here in the united states the reason young people join gangs is because their community is broken down to a point where the only way they can socialize in safety is by becoming a gang member isis is no different You have a country that's deteriorated and you wind up joining a group that you believe will give you the safety. I've done all kinds of research and and worked when I was a judge with cops, you know, why people join gangs. How about this? Why do certain women date gang members? There are girls in neighborhoods that are, are, you know, broken down neighborhoods, urban areas that date gang members that were asked, why would you date a gang member? Look at you. You're a straight A student. You know why? Because I need to know that I'm going to get from school to home in one piece. And by dating a gang member, I know I'm going to have that safety. This is true stuff, guys. Research it. So basically, ISIS is the gang of the Middle East to provide safety to people. And why do they need that safety? Again, because after a war, when you pull troops out and don't help police and create an infrastructure and rebuild the area you've attacked. This is what happens. This is exactly what happens. So it's one thing to want to pull troops out and say, you know what? No more boots on the ground, no more fighting. That's fine. But you can't just abandon what happened in Iraq. It is an absolute imperative for us to take responsibility to rebuild that. So there's my take on Islamic fundamentalist and and how to combat that overseas with regards to here and getting back to this shooting in in particular here's the thing that bothered me about it where are the protests where's the outrage that should have come from this shooting and when I say outrage why don't people get crazy over the lack of gun control and try to really combat the gun lobby in this country and specifically the people that should be doing this are elected representatives. And this is why I always bash Republicans and Democrats equally. Okay. The, the fact that the flag wasn't at half mast in the white house or whatever, listen, that's all diversionary stuff. And where I'm going to get into flags that, that we seem to love to get into this flag argument. All of a sudden This, this country is obsessed with flags, but you know what? We get outraged when police officers act brutally where is the outrage when we have 
someone in this country who could just start wildly shooting innocent servicemen because they have access to weapons, easy access to weapons through legal means. From my understanding, these were not legal, illegally obtained firearms. I mean, where is the background check? Where is the immigration reform? It's, it's amazing how when we have to rush to get something done in this country, we do it immediately when we have to take a flag off a building. But when it comes to the gun lobby in this country, we have no chance at fighting it. When our elected officials are this terrified, what I saw from this Tennessee shooting is a couple things. One, we are terrified of, of Islamic fundamentalists. Terrified. We don't want to say the word Islamic fundamentalists. We don't want to say those words on the news. One. Two, we don't want to attack the gun lobby ever in this country. Way too powerful. And here's why it's too powerful. Because we need guns to fight our battles overseas. And I really believe our gun manufacturers will say, you know what, you take away our ability to sell guns domestically, we will rape you with all of the weaponry you will need to fight all these wars overseas. You want to see price gouging? Watch what we're going to do to you, United States of America. It's, it's really almost like organized crime, the gun lobby in this country. And I'm a gun owner. I'm a gun owner. And I'm saying this. And I believe in the right to bear arms. But there has got to be some type of reform. The immigration reform, the lack of background checks into certain people. I mean, come on, everybody. What? Where is the outrage? Where are the protests? Where are the people going crazy over these issues? Or are these issues that far over our heads where we can't you know, seem to come to grasps with the issues at hand? I mean, is, is it, does it have to be something as simple as seeing a video of police brutality that we can react to? Are we that visual in this country that if it's not visual and we have to actually read about it and understand the perils that it creates in this country, it's, it's not worth protesting? I, I, God, I, I, it, it really it saddens me that this Tennessee shooting is not given, again, the attention it deserves. So we have Sandra Bland. We have the shooting in Tennessee. Where is the outrage by the public? I mean, we, we riot and protest over situations that may, maybe are deserving, maybe have merit. But then there are other situations I see, and I'm like, where are the riots and protests over this? And there's no reaction. None. I, I, I don't get it at all. I really don't. Um, and, you know, I saw a lot of people getting upset at President Obama for not pulling the flag at half-mast um, for the the soldiers that were slain. And l- let me get into this whole flag thing in this country. This Confederate flag issue in South Carolina, plain and simple, real quick, does the Confederate flag, and first of all, it's the battle flag, does the battle flag of the Confederacy belong on a state capitol building or any state building in any state? Forget about South Carolina. No, it doesn't. End of discussion. And the reason it doesn't belong there is because that is not the flag that identifies either the state or the country. The flag that should be flying on the state capitol building or any building within the United States should be the United States of American flag, stars and stripes. 
the state flag for that state. If it's a county building, the county built county flag for that county, if there is one, that's it. Okay. There should be no other flags flying on state buildings. And listen, I, I've even said this with regards to the religion aspect, and we see Fox every year with the war on religion. I don't believe a courthouse should have a menorah. I don't believe it should have a nativity scene. I don't think any state building should have any type of religious symbols in it because it's a state building and separation of church and state is clearly defined, clearly defined in all of the documents since the Constitution began forward. You can't espouse or can't support any specific belief or take a side. Okay, as a legislative body, you have to make laws. The executive body acts as the president of the United States overseeing Congress. The judicial branch makes judicial decisions. You can't start getting crazy over which issues you're going to support and not support because it shows favoritism. So putting a nativity, putting a menorah, putting anything religious shows support for one over the other. Shouldn't be done. Battle flag should be taken down. At the same time, to see the White House lit up in rainbow colors after the Supreme Court decision, to me, was as troublesome as the battle flag being on a state building. And I'm going to tell you why. Because that decision came from the Supreme Court. That was not Obama that came up with that decision. That was not the executive branch that declared equal marriage rights for everybody. That was the Supreme Court that did that. And the second the White House lights up a rainbow flag across the White House, you are now taking a position that is contrary to what some people believe in this country. People that voted for President Obama The same president that before he was elected president made it pretty clear he was not for same-sex marriage. So you know what? We have to be really careful when we get into issues of flags and supporting and, and what should be on a state building and what shouldn't be on a state building. There's a ton of hypocrisy running around in this country right now. With regards to the, this battle flag, the thing that really offended me is when they pulled the show Dukes of Hazard because this flag is on the top of a car that's the General Lee and now no one's selling the toy General Lee car. And, and listen, here's my take on the whole battle flag issue. If... If, as an intelligent human being, you see any flag and it so motivates you to commit an act of violence because of the flag and its influence and powers over you, you have a sickness and a problem that has nothing to do with a flag. If this evil SOB in South Carolina, saw that battle flag every day and it made him think, I've got to kill black people. This person has deeper issues than whatever that flag represents for him. I don't think any intelligent person should see any symbol and become so hypnotized by it 
that they commit acts of violence. One. So this notion of taking Dukes of Hazard off the air, and, and now all of a sudden every flag in every southern state that has the stars and bars has to come down. I, I think we all need to relax. I really believe this, this flag issue is a diversion. And I spoke to a friend of mine uh, who's a comedian, Kendall Ketchum, and she went to Ole Miss University. And I talked to her about the, the mascot they used to have, which looks like a plantation owner. And I said to her, Kendall, let's be honest, that, that's, that mascot was a plantation owner. She said, absolutely. And she graduated, I think, in 2004, she told me. And she was at a game with black friends. And they, you know, we're talking about the mascot. And I asked her, I said, you know, what was the reaction? And they said, Oh no, listen, they said, listen, that's a, that's a plantation owner. That's clearly what that mascot represents. And I said, well, were they bothered by it? And she said, no, not really. You know, because in the end it's a caricature of a plantation owner. Um, you know, it's not, it's not running around the sideline spewing racist things. It's just, part of the, you know what what the culture is down there but no one was really offended or bothered by it and this takes us to where we always wind up how someone who's not the target of a specific type of symbol tends to go crazy and now as i understand from kendall the state of mississippi and Ole Miss university they're bending over backwards now to try to make everyone comfortable and realize, hey, listen, everybody, we're not racist. We know we had that mascot for years, but we're now going to do everything to show you we're not racist. No, you know the way you show you're not racist? You don't do racist things. You don't have to now bend over backwards and, you know, do something as a symbol or sign of how not racist you are. You're either racist or not racist. You can't be especially not racist. I mean, it's really, it's the wheels are falling off the wagon in this country. Flags. This is what's causing racism flags. See, the problem is nobody wants to have the discussion and get to the root of what the hell is causing racism. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear about flags. I want to hear how that 21 year old little bastard came to have hatred towards black people that was unprecedented the fact that he can sit in a church listen to people pray speak positive words talk about love loving your neighbor loving your fellow man and still pull out a gun and kill those people i want to know how he got to that point and stop telling me flags nobody wants to have this damn conversation we're so afraid of it And then we start talking about flags. What the hell's going on in this country? Oh, it's making me sick. Here's the other thing. Speaking of what the hell's going on in this country and making me sick. We have to stop trying to restrict free speech in this country. We really have to knock this off. Okay, Donald Trump is running for president. It's very simple. If you don't like Donald Trump, don't vote for him. End of story. He's not a threat to the society if nobody votes for him. But this this notion of silencing him and firing him and preventing him from having TV shows and, 
and pageants and everything else because he says something that you disagree with. This is not what free speech is. Free speech in the United States, the First Amendment, isn't about if you disagree with someone, they're not allowed to say it. If he has an opinion on the Mexicans that are sneaking over the border, he's entitled to it. If you don't like what he's saying, don't vote for him. Don't watch his show. Cause him the financial loss by not watching the show. The network will then take the reaction and say, Don, the ratings are down. You open your dumbass mouth and now we got to get rid of your show. Sorry. Guess what? Now you're fired. But just because somebody says something that you disagree with, you can't start firing people for this. You can't start telling people we're not going to cover your pageant. He's going to win that lawsuit. He's going to sue Univision. He's going to sue NBC. He's going to win that lawsuit. They had absolutely no right whatsoever not putting that pageant on the air. Period. End. I mean, you can't do this. The fact that he doesn't think John McCain is a hero because McCain was captured is his opinion. He's allowed to define hero the way he wants. Why must he have your definition of hero? Basically, what Donald Trump is saying, you know what? You enlisted. You were servicemen. The fact that you got shot down and captured, to me, doesn't make you a hero. If you're the person who frees you from that prison, that, to me, is the hero. Listen, I don't agree with his definition. But if that's his definition, so be it. Who cares? You don't like his definition? Don't vote for the guy. But he's allowed to have his own definition of hero. We, we can't do this. This is so dangerous, people. It's dangerous to try to silence. Because you know what? Read your history. The Nazi party in Germany did not start out by being vocal and loud and making statements of racism out in the public. That's not how it started. It started as an underground movement in Germany, in bars, in basements, in dark corners. And the silent minority became a silent majority and then slowly it infiltrated the government and took over this notion of silencing these types of people like isis creates a gang mentality and when you don't have somewhere to associate with with these opinions you start to form gangs and these gangs start to rise to power I'm sorry, I like my racism out in the open. I want to know what people think. So this way I can vote accordingly. I want to know what Donald Trump thinks out loud. So this way when I go to the polls, I can make an informed decision. As opposed to having him say what they all say, what they're all trained to say, what the Republicans want him to say, And then when you get in, Don, then you can go crazy. Then you can build a wall as high and big as you want all across the Mexican border. But for now, Don, be quiet. Don't let them know what we think. No, it's the opposite. I want to know what this guy thinks.
I, I, I'm just, I'm really dumbfounded. I really am dumbfounded. Speaking of heroes and the definition of heroes, I watched the ESPYs for the first time this year. And the reason I watched the ESPYs was mainly because the people in my household wanted to hear Caitlyn Jenner's speech. I've never watched the ESPYs before. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I never watched a minute of ESPYs. The only ESPY moment I'm familiar with is Jimmy Valvano's speech. And I did not see it live on the ESPYs because I never watched the ESPYs. I've seen it after the fact. If you have not seen or heard the Jimmy Valvano speech, watch it. Get it on YouTube. Get it wherever they watch it. Truly, truly moving. So this year I watched the ESPYs. And part of the reasons I don't watch the ESPYs. Here are the awards given out at the ESPYs. Ready for this? Best Male Athlete. Here are the nominees. Stephon Curry, LeBron James, Aaron Rodgers, J.J. Watt. Well, first of all, as far as the category Best Male Athlete, you have two members of the National Basketball Association, one of whom, Stephon Curry, was already awarded the MVP of the league. So the best of the NBA, as acknowledged by the NBA, was Stephon Curry. But ESPN nominates LeBron James anyway. So this isn't we're going to take the best from all the four leagues and then determine which we think the best is. No, we take the best from the NBA the second best from the NBA, and nominate them anyway. And then we take two football players. So two football players, two basketball players. We don't acknowledge pro baseball. We don't acknowledge professional hockey. We don't acknowledge all the other male professional sports. Cycling, swimming, whatever. No. So here's what ESPN does. They pick these four random athletes who have already won awards, and we give them another award. Best female athlete. Here's here was my favorite one. We take the four top women in their sports: Ronda Rousey, Brianna Stewart, Lindsey Vaughn, Serena Williams. Here, ladies, you're the four best at your sport. But now we're going to give an award to someone who we think is the the best of the bestest. The the, the whole notion of the ESPYs is ridiculous. It's giving awards to people that have already won awards. Okay, this is what it is. We're going to give awards to people that have already won awards. Best record-breaking performance was actually a category. These are people that broke records in their sports. And we're going to say, you know what? You all broke the record in your sport. But we think somebody who broke the record broke the record better than the other people that broke their records. It's asinine. This is offensive to me. That we are so hard up on giving awards in this country that we have to give awards... To people that have already won awards. I mean, it is absolutely ludicrous. Ludicrous. That we have to give awards to people that have won awards. I mean, best MMA fighter. You know what the best MMA fighter is? Whoever the hell the the champion is in the MMA. I mean, they gave LeBron James an award that to me, I, I, I was like, are you kidding me? We have to actually give LeBron James an award for what? What, what do we have to find LeBron James for and hand him an award for? 
I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's the the notion of giving awards in this country to people that have already won awards. That that's offensive to me. I take offense to that because it shows us where our focus is in this country. It shows us where our ideals are in this country in terms of how we have to have constant recognition of people and constantly give awards. And I talk about in my act how everybody's got to get an award. We, we have to constantly give awards in this country. We have to constantly recognize people. How about you just do your job, you get paid for it, and that's good enough. No, we're just going to constantly give people awards. Okay, LeBron James, best championship performance. And here are the nominees. LeBron James, American Pharaoh, the racehorse, the racehorse. So LeBron James is going up against a racehorse. Madison Bumgarner, the pitcher from the San Francisco Giants who won the World Series. And Lauren Hager, Florida State softball. And we say, you know what? LeBron James, in the championship, you outperformed everybody. Even though your team lost, we still think, we think you were the best player in the championship, even though your team lost. This is a great message to send kids, by the way. You know what? His team lost, but he was the best, so we're going to signal him out and give him an award to say, you know what? The team didn't help you, LeBron. So here, we, we feel like you deserve something extra. Wow. Wow. ESPN, really? You should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. That's the message you're sending kids. Good job. Good job. Now, there, there are two other things that I, I want to talk about in the ESPYs. One, there was a Pat Tillman Service Award that was given to Danielle Green. Let me tell you something. You want to talk about a moving story. You, I want you to look up Danielle Green. D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E Green. I want you to find this woman's story. Because this is my definition of a hero. This is my definition of a hero. Someone who went to Notre Dame, played basketball, served in the military, lost her left arm when she got hit by an RPG, comes back, gets her master's, and what does she do? She's a social worker helping military people deal with with post-traumatic stress, deal with the issues surrounding their service in the military. My God, that's a hero. That's a hero. You want to talk about someone else that got an award that night? That This, this was the best of the ESPYs, by the way. Not let's give an award to people that won awards or people that didn't win awards and we want to give them an award anyway. Devon Still, okay? Look up this story. D-E-V-O-N-S-T-I-L-L. Devon still has a daughter, Leah, who is battling cancer. Devon still is a professional football player for the Cincinnati Bengals. And he stopped playing football because it was more important for him to be by his daughter's side, who was battling a rare form of pediatric cancer, than it was to be out on the football field. And it was only because of the fact that his daughter possibly missed him seeing him play. Her own issues with her dad not being out there doing his job. The NFL, the Cincinnati Bengal family said, listen, you be by your family, man. 
That, that's what's more important. Don't worry about it. Your job is here. What an organization. I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. I love rooting against the Cincinnati Bengals. Love it. Root against them every time they play. But this is where I've come to be able to distinguish between being a fan and understanding the reality. Cincinnati Bengals, bravo. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, when I root against you now, it will be with the utmost respect. What a phenomenal organization you are. You are everything every business in this country should be. Congratulations. Devon Still, you are the definition of a man. You are the definition of a dad. You are the definition of a father. I applaud you. You are brilliant. The, 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 the love he showed. Again, watch those two speeches. Danielle Green, Devon Still. Those are the speeches that should have been highlighted. Those were acts of courage. That, to me, defines hero. Then there was another award given that night. And the award was given to Caitlyn Jenner. And it was the Arthur Ashe Award. And the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage... And if you don't know who Arthur Ashe was, he was a tennis player um, who really, there's no way I can, in this podcast, do his career justice and and define who he was as a person. But the award is aptly named. Let's just say it that way. And Caitlyn Jenner was given this award. And I don't know who the other nominees were. Um, I don't necessarily care Um, It's not about who I think was more deserving or less deserving of this award. I want to just make a point in terms of, again, hero, the definition of hero. Caitlyn Jenner, formerly Bruce Jenner, is not the first celebrity to undergo transgender surgery, gender modification surgery. Uh, Chaz Bono went through it under different circumstances. Chaz Bono did not have a reality show waiting on the other side of that surgery. Chaz Bono did not have an entire family surrounded by a marketing campaign of fashion waiting the every move that Chaz was making. Chaz Bona did not have nearly the amount of support that Bruce Jenner had going into this surgery. It's one thing to say someone's courageous in the line of not knowing what the outcome will be. It's another thing to give somebody an award for courage when there is incentives, support from an entire nation of people, not to mention friends and family members. I'm sorry, but to me, Caitlyn Jenner does not embody what the average transgender person goes through when they make this decision. This is not the normal circumstance. The average person who is battling this decision does not have millions of dollars at their disposal to make sure that the gender for modif- gender modification surgery is going to be this 
quote-unquote high-end have a fashion person available at a monthly fee, live in a home on a hill that's guarded with walls surrounding it for privacy. This is not the average transgender person. I don't know that this is the right person that we should be putting as the face of, of this part of our society. There's another part of this I really want to get into. I want to play a part of this speech. And, and listen, I, I'm, I'm doing something that's a little bit hypocritical because I, I hate isolating parts of speeches because you could rip people apart. But this is how the speech started. So when I say isolating, this is the beginning of the speech. I want to play this for you. Hold on a second and listen to this taken directly from the ESPYs. Picking out this outfit. Okay, girls, I get it. You got to get the shoes, the hair, the makeup, the whole process. It was exhausting. And next, the fashion police. Oh, please be kind on me. I'm new at this. But anyway. That's how the speech started. And I understand this was Caitlyn Jenner's attempt at making a joke. I understand this was, hey, let me lighten the mood in the room. But when you start with the notion of this is about fashion and you come from the background that is the Kardashians, you're sending a message that, again, I don't think is consistent with what the people that you are a part of really go through. The speech continued, and I'm not cutting. This is the very next line out of Caitlin's mouth. And I just want to take a, a quick shout out to our soccer team that they, they have absolutely. <laughs> Ladies, you clean up very well. All right. I want you to listen to that sentence. Ladies, you clean up very well. If a man, if a male athlete, made that same statement, I wonder what the backlash would be. Because basically, what Caitlyn Jenner did in the first one minute and a half, I'm sorry, it's exactly a minute and 20 seconds of the speech, from a minute 34 um, to a minute 54 and then from a minute 54 to 207. So it's actually less than, it's less than a minute. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm doing my math wrong. The first less than a minute of the speech was about fashion and about women cleaning up well. Caitlyn Jenner has just done the thing that women in society are trying not to be associated with, which is physical, visual objectification. When we give out an award for courage and we give out this type of an award, I think we have to look at all of the aspects of the award and what the person really embodies. And then you have to look at what followed this speech as part of the show, which was a commercial that highlighted Caitlyn Jenner's new reality show, I Am Kate. I question whether or not this is the type of person 
we should be looking at as a hero, as courageous. To me, hero and courage is somebody that, you know what, you're not going to have the support of everyone around you to do the things that ultimately are going against society. Nelson Mandela. There, there are, you know, there's another situation out there of a, of a transgendered person who did not wait 40 years before becoming transgendered after doing something that was considered to be very manly, such as the decathlon. And that is Kristen Beck. Kristen Beck is a transgendered Navy SEAL. Christian Beck served on SEAL Team 6, okay? You're talking about one of the most elite units in our military. Chris, formerly, was a Navy SEAL, came back, and immediately became transgendered, and did not have the support of soldiers did not have the support of family did not have television waiting to give Kristen a TV show. Kristen Beck is now running for Congress in Maryland and most likely won't come close to winning. Kristen is trying to make a difference in our society that to me, to, to write a book, Warrior Princess, a U.S. Navy SEAL's journey to coming out transgender. That to me took courage. That to me was a huge step. That to me is someone who embodies the courage that we're looking for in transgendered people. Listen, my, my point to all of this is not to start comparing Kristen Beck to Caitlyn Jenner. My point to all of this is in picking our heroes, in picking people that we define as heroes, I think we need to be really careful in this country because we seem to always lean towards celebrity. We have a Kardashian obsession in this country, which is really mind-numbing to me. But we have a celebrity obsession in general in this country. We have really become obsessed with celebrity. And to me, heroes are, by, by definition, everyday people that do extraordinary things. It's average people that do extraordinary things. It's not people that we look at in spotlights that have awards and rewards waiting for them that do these extraordinary things. I'm sorry, I just, I, I think this country, we are so desperate for heroes that we try to manufacture them. And I think that that's really sad. I think it really is. Because in manufacturing our heroes, I, I really think that we, we pick and choose according to our societal needs, according to what seems to be the hot topic at the time. And it, it's really bothersome to me. Now, I, I don't have a problem with Caitlyn Jenner, but to me, everything that Bruce Jenner did as an athlete was for Bruce Jenner. 
He didn't win a decathlon for his country. He won a decathlon because he wanted to win a decathlon. He went through his life, six natural kids, four adopted kids, ten kids. To me, show me the relationship between you and your kids is strong. Parents that maintain strong bonds, like Devon Stills, that's a hero. Everyday people that do extraordinary things, okay? Tell me about the relationship with your kids, okay? Because this switch of gender for, for Caitlyn Jenner, for Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, again, is personal. And listen, we all have personal battles and personal demons that we fight. People that battle drug addiction, people that battle alcoholism. In the end, you do that for you. You do that for your family, Okay, if you have a reward waiting for you on the outside of that too, I'm sorry, that makes it a little bit easier. You have an incentive to succeed. Sometimes that when the incentive to succeed is just success itself, that to me is a bigger hero. I hope this makes sense to all of you. Um, I, I hope you understand where I'm coming from with this. Again, I have no problem with what Bruce Jenner did. In fact, what I'm saying is Kristen Beck is a better example of what most of the people that are going through gender modification deal with. Let's look at the average person that goes through it that doesn't have the extraordinary means and support around them. And let's look to that person as, you know what, that took courage. Let's define it the way it needs to be defined. Everybody, episode 33 was a long one. I wanted to cover a lot of topics. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, I plan on continuing the podcast. Um, Hopefully I'll have great news from California soon. Uh, Keep listening. Spread the word. Vince August. Thank you, everybody.